from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT and that live feed MixLR is embedded on the homepage of WakeUpCallDT.com, so make sure that you connect with the show there as well. Appreciate y'all tuning in today. Hope you're all having a great day, living life to the fullest, making the most out of all that you have set in front of you. And if it's not set in front of you, that you go get it. That's the thing about life, folks. Got to go after your dreams. If you want them, you got to be willing to go get them. That's how life rolls here, folks. You got to be willing to go get it if you want it. So, Big ups to everybody out there doing great things, living life to the fullest, and making the most of all that we have going on here. So, happy Thursday. Happy weather. This weather's been pretty awesome. So, happy weather change. Happy Thursday. Hope everything is going well for each and every single one of you out there having some fun here today. And with that being said, it's time to jump on to the morning menu to let you know what's coming up for today. We have plenty of things to talk about, and I'm ecstatic about the opportunity, so let's jump into it right now. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Today's morning menu on Thursday, May 3rd, 2018. We're going to start off the show with some baseball talk, some conversation on the teams that are heating up the NL and the AL as well. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. Then around 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I will be joined by Katie Kalinske, who spent seven years under Jim Boeheim at Syracuse University for the men's basketball program. She will be joining the show for an all-new segment called Coaching with Class. And Katie will be joining me in just a little bit here. Like I said, around 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, she will be a part of the show. And then after Katie comes on to the show, we will move into the second hour of the show. And we will be talking about something that just happened here recently as Jason Witten ultimately decides to indeed retire from the NFL. He is retiring from the NFL, retiring from the Cowboys, and moving forward in his life here and uh, and supposedly joining Monday Night Football as an analyst. So this will be a little bit of uh, new digs for Jason Witten. We'll discuss that in just a little while here on the broadcast. And, of course, we will get into the opportunity for us to 
go through the looking glass as we always do every single Thursday morning around 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Rounding out the show, we will do that here today through the looking glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events. So a lot coming up, a lot to discuss. Let's hop into baseball right now and start off the conversation on a beautiful, wonderful Thursday morning. It's really funny, though, that on Thursdays, where you play Thursday night football, we have Jason Witten deciding that he is going to button things up here. And like I said, in the second hour of the show, we're going to be discussing that as well. But to get to baseball, first and foremost here, Taking a look at where teams are at right now in the NL as well as in the AL. I'm going to start with the AL. And your top teams may not be the teams that you anticipate or expect to be the teams that are making it happen. The number one record in the National League is the Arizona Diamondbacks at 21-9. and They're the only team in the country in the National League that has less than double-digit losses. And on the other side, the Boston Red Sox, the only team that has less than double-digit losses in the American League. They are currently 22-8 and at the time of our conversation here, folks. So the Boston Red Sox top in the AL, the Arizona Diamondbacks top in the NL. And we're going to start off with the Boston Red Sox and what they've done up to this point because they've had a, an amazing run here and what they have been able to do here in their schedule. And we're going to start with how they started things off this season at the end of March. They won their series against the Tampa Bay Rays 4-1. Then they went up against the Miami Marlins and took that 2-0. Then they went up against Tampa Bay again, this time at home, and won that series 3-0. They faced the Yankees at home and won that 2-1. They faced the Orioles and won that three to nothing. They faced the Angels in Los Angeles, won that three to nothing. They faced the Oakland A's, and that was the first series that they lost this season. That's one to two that they lost against the Oakland A's in Oakland. Then they faced the Toronto Blue Jays on the road and won that two to one. And most recently faced the Tampa Bay Rays again, lost that one to two, and have taken down the Kansas City Royals two to one in their most, most recent. So if we're looking at all that, they played Tampa Bay already now in three different series, winning two out of those three series, which is obviously huge inside of division. But all but two series have been won by the Boston Red Sox this season up to this point. And that's a a big part of things and what's been going on with the Boston Red Sox and with the American League as they've just been taking care of business. Their batting average leader and home run leader, as well as on-base percentage leader, is Mookie Betts. 365 batting average, 11 homers, making it happen. And then J.D. Martinez leading the team in RBIs and hits. 24 RBIs and 37 hits this season. So the Boston Red Sox, who's a team that has obviously come on in recent years, they're leading a very red-hot Yankees team. And that's saying something about them. Toronto's in the middle, then Tampa Bay, and then Baltimore. Let's go over to the Yankees here for a second. Take a look at how the Yankees have done series-wise so far. They won their first series of the season against the Toronto Blue Jays on the road. Uh, Well, pardon me. They split the series 2-2. Then they won the series against Tampa 2-0. They lost the series against Baltimore 1-3. Lost to the Red Sox, as I mentioned, 1-2. And then took down, well, won the only game they played against Detroit because three games were postponed against the Miami Marlins. They split 1 1, 
Blue Jays again, three to one. They win that one. Minnesota, they take that one four to nothing. The Angels, they take that three to nothing. And the Houston Astros, reigning at national champions, they beat them two to one this time around with another game to go today at 2.10 p.m. Eastern time this afternoon. So make sure that you're checking that out. The man that they call Aaron Judge is leading the team on on on-base percentage, but home runs is not going to him. It's going to Didi Gregorius, and he has... He's leading the team in batting average, home runs, RBIs, and hits. So everybody focusing on Judge, but Judge not leading in a bunch of these categories except for on-base percentage, but he's getting on-base almost 50% of the time. He goes to bat 44.1% of the time, which is huge, massive. And what he has right now is he has seven home runs, and he has 34 hits on the season. So he's batting 312 at this time, Mr. Aaron Judge. And that's the thing is that, you know, when you look at Aaron Judge's strikeouts, he has 41 strikeouts because it's that, you know, we were talking about it before. I was having some conversations earlier in the week. He was at, he's been at bat 109 times, struck out 41 times. His on-base percentage is 44.1. So you look at that and say, okay, well, he's good at getting on base, but when he's going after that ball, it's all or nothing. It's I'm going to knock this thing out of the park or I'm not. You know, I mean, I'm going to knock this thing out of the park or I'm going to strike out. So, you know, that's that's how we're looking at Aaron Judge. You know, it kind of reminds me of Babe Ruth and some guys of old that went for, you know, go for broke. Go for all of it. See what you could do with all of it. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, well, then here we are. So it's it's very interesting to, you know, see how Aaron Judge is, you know, all or nothing. But, all, but his on-base percentage is high right now. as the Yankees stay on the heels of the Red Sox, which shout out to the Red Sox because as hot as the Yankees have been and as much as the Yankees have been spoken about, people have to look at this situation and say that, you know, Boston's fending him off, at least by a couple games right now. In the NL side of things, the Arizona Diamondbacks, 21-9, closest team to them, is not in their division. It's in the NL Central Division, and that is the Milwaukee Brewers, who are 19 and 13. The Braves behind that at 18 and 11 in the East. The Arizona Diamondbacks this season have been making it happen. They have come on to people's airwaves and TVs and newspapers. Finally, it's only taken 157 years. I'm kidding. They haven't been around that long, but. You know, for me, it's just, I've been watching this Arizona Diamondbacks team for a very, very long time. So to see them finally get some respect and finally get somebody talking about them, finally get some coverage, it's nice since they were the fastest team to ever get to the World Series and fastest team to ever win it when they did it in four years of existence and they did it up against the New York Yankees. So I'm just playing it out here, folks. And if the Yankees somehow overtake the Red Sox, and I know it's very early on, but just follow the bouncing ball for a second. If the Yankees overtake the Red Sox, they become the top team in the AL. And then in the NL, it stays with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Then all of a sudden, folks, we could be looking at a matchup that we had seen before in 2001, a rematch of the World Series between the Diamondbacks and the Yankees, dare I say it, here in 2018, 17 years later. So as the the season so far for the Diamondbacks, they won their series against Colorado 2-1, Dodgers 3 to nothing, St. Louis 
two to one. San Fran, two to one. Dodgers, two to one. San Fran again, two to one. San Diego Padres, two to one. Phillies, two to one. Washington Nationals, two to one. Dodgers, two to one. And another game to go today at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. So they're taking care of business inside of their division. They've taken down the Dodgers twice already in series. And in this next series, they have an opportunity to take them down again. If they win, they'll be three to one instead of two to two. So they the Arizona Diamondbacks have an opportunity inside of their division to take it to the Dodgers three times earlier on here in the season, and they've already taken it to San Francisco twice. So big things coming here from the Arizona Diamondbacks. And when we look at the standings overall, once again, and like I said, they're twenty-one and nine at our time of conversation right now. They've defeated the Colorado Rockies had to head, the Padres had to head, the Dodgers had to head twice and trying to do it three times, and the Giants had to head twice. So they have taken care of the NL West up to this point and have not lost a series this season as they move forward and try to continue to do so. So, you know, a very hot start to the season for this team. After they won the World Series, they kind of fell off a little bit, disappeared a little bit, then tried to do it with youth. It took some time. They kept some guys. They lost some guys. They brought in some vets, and here they are again doing what they need to do. So a lot of a lot of great things coming from the Arizona Diamondbacks and a lot of respect coming from, coming uh, to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And that man they call Pat Corbin, well, he's on the team, and he comes from Clay, New York, and went to Cicero North Syracuse, CNS. He's been on the show a bunch of times. We're going to look to have him on the show again. He is 4-0 and right now on the season with 55 strikeouts and ERA of 2.25. His career ERA, ERA is 4.02, so he's below that. And where he's doing a good job. I mean, 55 strikeouts, 4-0. He started opening day for the first time ever in his career. He was the opening day pitcher. And he's been with the Arizona Diamondbacks for a very long time. The lefty is in his fifth year inside of Major League Baseball. And not only has he had longevity inside of Major League Baseball, but he's stayed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've respected him, and he's come through. So a big ups to Pat Corbin and what he's been able to do and just I mean you know you got Zach Grinke and and I mean you you look at this lineup that they have in their pitching rotation you have Robbie Ray who's 2-0 to start off the season you have Zach Grinke who's 3-2 so far to start off this season Pat Corbin 4-0 at this point we have Zach Godley who's 4-2 and to round out the starting rotation at the pitcher you know, side of things for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Taewon Walker, he has nine strikeouts at this point, and, you know, it doesn't have a win or a loss So in rotation. So he is dead even right now. But in that rotation, Grinky, Ray, Corbin, Godley, and Walker, everybody with a winning record except for Walker, who's 0-0. Zero zero. So a good start off to the season, and, you know, good players on this roster, like guys like Paul Goldschmidt, who's obviously – taking care of business. He's got four homers right now, and he has 11 RBIs. His on-base percentage is just shy of 40% for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, you know, we look at some of the other guys that are out there. You know, Chris Owings, the center fielder who's been doing some great things, has a homer in this and, and has been getting himself on base. And then A.J. Pollock has 10 homers for the Arizona Diamondbacks to start off the season here. 
David Peralta has five homers, 17 RBIs, almost 40% on-base percentage for himself as well. Nick Ahmed has five homers, 17 RBIs, the shortstop at on-base percentage of 32%. And Devin Marrero has five RBIs for the team so far this season coming over from the Boston Red Sox. And then Kettle Mart, he has a homer, eight RBIs early on in the season from the Dominican Republic. Looking at the starters that we have, Alex Avila uh, has two home runs, four RBIs, and coming from Hialeah, Florida. I know a bunch of recruits that come from there in the football world from Hialeah, so pretty cool to see that. And then, you know, they have a bunch of different guys like Archie Bradley and Jorge De La Rosa and, and so on and so forth in their in their rotation for relief pitcher as they look to the rest of the season and look to make this happen. And their co- their closer, Brad Boxberger, and looking at Brad Boxberger so far, he has 16 strikeouts, 10 saves this season for Brad. So the Arizona Diamondbacks have come to play, folks. They're making it happen. They're putting it to the teams. And like I said, they're taking care of their division of the NL West up to this point with 21 wins in 30 games and the Red Sox with 30 win or pardon me 22 wins in 30 games in the American League coming out of the East and then you know some other teams Houston Astros they have 20 wins as well so they're trying to make it happen the Yankees with 20 the Astros with 20 so the American League a little bit tight here and like I said the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves trying to gain on the Arizona Diamondbacks overall in the National League. We take a look at the New York Mets for those Mets fans that are out there that want to see how this Mets team is doing so far. When we take a look at their series, they open up winning the series against St. Louis 2-1. Then they went up against the Phillies, won that 2 to nothing. The Nationals, they defeated on the road 3 to nothing. The Miami Marlins on the road 3 to nothing. The Milwaukee Brewers 2 to 1 faced the Nationals at home this time. And lost that series one or pardon me two one to two no I was right one to two, the Atlanta Braves they lose that series one to two, and they face St Louis again lose that series this time around one to two and just won their series against San Diego two to one and are losing their series against Atlanta zero to two and trying to get at least one win here on Thursday May third at one ten p.m. Eastern time so they started out winning a bunch of their series on a nice little streak. And doing some great things. I mean, they they had early on in this season, they had a winning streak of nine games from Tuesday, April 3rd to Friday, April 13th. They were 9-0 and and then fell for a couple series before taking down San Diego in San Diego, 2-1, to but struggling against the Braves right now. They'll have the Rockies coming up after that at home and a nice little matchup with the Arizona Diamondbacks in New York on Friday, May 18th through Sunday, May 20th. So make sure that you're checking that out as well as the Mets are trying to make it happen and get things going early on in the season. But it's exciting baseball. If you're, you know, a lot of people in Central and Upstate New York are fans of either the Yankees or the Mets, and both of them this season are doing some good things. Both of them this season look respectable. I know that the Mets, like I said, have have slipped a little bit, but they're only one win behind catching the Atlanta Braves in the NL East at this moment early on in the season. And the Yankees are right behind the Boston Red Sox. So, you know, two teams with good footing and good position right now. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, that team that people love to forget about, they're surging early on 
and hoping to continue to do so and hoping to continue to win every series they play, which they have done up to this point, have not lost a series in 2018's season. And they're trying to keep that rolling here. So nice little baseball talk to start off the show. And we'll have more coming up as time goes by and the weeks go by here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. So much appreciation for you listening in. I said we were going to take a little time to discuss Jason Witten. But I think it's time to discuss his retirement. At least jump into it a little bit right now before we get Katie Kalinske on the show for Coaching with Class. An all new segment exclusively brought to you by... Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on your airwaves to your phone, tablet, iPad, iPod, desktop, laptop, all that you have with the internet on mixlr.com backslash DT. If it's the internet that you're looking for, you can get it pretty much anywhere. And if it's a show that's original, innovative, different in a good way, exciting, comedic, informative, and faithful, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora right here on Mix. LR.com backslash wake up call DT. So make sure that you are tuning in to the show every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And God bless you for that. I appreciate it very much. Jason Witten hanging it up, putting the cleats up, folks. Back and forth on the decision, allegedly, on what he should do. He turns 36. This weekend. And we sit here today knowing that Jason Witten has decided that it's time. It's time for him to hang it up. No one has played more games for the Dallas Cowboys in the history of the Cowboys than Jason, tight end Jason Witten. Consecutive games played, he holds that record for the Cowboys as well. Starts. Holds that record. Catches, holds that record. Receiving yards. Catches and receiving. These are the ones where you're like, okay, well, he's the all-time leader for the Cowboys in games played. He's the all-time leader for consecutive games played. He's the all-time leader for starts. But, Dan, really? He leads Michael Irvin in catches? Yeah. He leads Michael Irvin in receiving yards? Yeah. He played in 11 Pro Bowls, which ties Bob Lilly for the most in team history for the Cowboys. And he is fourth in the NFL, in all of, NFL, of the NFL's rich history and catches, placing him behind Jerry Rice, Tony Gonzalez, and Larry Fitzgerald. There's only one other tight end in history that gained more receiving yards than Jason Witten, Tony Gonzalez, who is the GOAT. I mean, he's he's the godfather of, of the tight ends. You know, shout out to John Mackey and, and all the great tight ends that were out there. Tony Gonzalez... Tony Gonzalez in his like fit whatever it was fifteenth season still looked like a friggin' fina. I mean, he looked like a beast over a decade in the NFL. Probably could have played for twenty years. He ties with Ed Two Tall Jones, Bill Bates. Shout out to Bill Bates. I have his book and Mark Tooney for the longest tenured player in Dallas Cowboys history. So we sit here today knowing that the Cowboys are missing their most consistent offensive piece that they've had for over a decade. Played 15 years in the NFL. And the writing was kind of on the wall for this. 
because of the fact that he didn't have his quarterback. He didn't have Tony Romo. And I told you, every quarterback has their guy. And Dak Prescott, you know, going, I just, it didn't feel the same. It didn't look the same. It didn't it didn't vibe the same to me. I just, I didn't think we were going to see Jason Witten the way that we saw Jason Witten. Because it's, it's a changing of the guard. When you change your quarterback, things change, folks. Whether people want to admit it or not, when you change your quarterback, it's a different world. Everybody wants to say, well, this guy underperformed, and this guy underperformed, and this guy underperformed, and this guy underperformed. Look at the changing of the guard. Look at the changing of a quarterback. That's what changes the game. It's what happens. When a quarterback changes, that's when we see a shift. We see a shift in players when quarterbacks change. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, is Jason Witten what he used to be? Is he this? Is he that? Is he the other thing? The last two seasons that he had, Dak Prescott, right? He had three touchdowns and five touchdowns. Not too shabby, right? But he had 560 yards last season. He had 673 the season before. When he started with the Cowboys, he had 347 yards, 987, 57, 754. And then all of a sudden, in his fifth season in the NFL, 2007, played in all 16. And this this guy played in all 16 games of the regular season every year except for his rookie year. He played 15 of 16. You talk about consistency. You talk about health. 2004, 16 games. 2005, 16. 6, 16. 7, 16. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 2013, 2014, 2015, 16, 17, all 16 games. All 16 games. 15 seasons in the NFL. And he played 16 games in the last 14 each and 15 as a rookie. He had 1,100 yards plus in his fifth season receiving. He had over 1,000 in 2009, over 1,000 in 2010, close to hitting it in 2011, over 1,000 in 2012. And then in 13, 14, it starts to die down a little bit. As Tony Romo kind of dips, he dips. You dip, I dip, we dip. That's what happens. We all dip. 12,448 yards receiving for a tight end, mind you. Tight end. Top four in the history of the NFL as a receiver. Not a wide receiver, though. A tight end. Wide receivers, tight ends get grouped together, receiving yards, all that good stuff, running backs. As a tight end, okay? Someone who blocks, someone who catches short passes, someone who might be a little check down help for you staying close to the line type of thing. This man is in the top four in receiving yards in the history of the NFL. With Jerry Rice, fellow tight end Tony Gonzalez, and my dude, who I respect the heck out of, Larry Fitzgerald, who's still playing. So he is now the only one still playing in the top four. Tony Romo, Jason Witten, four 1,000-yard receiving seasons in a six-season span from 2007 to 2012. And in the meantime, 952 and 942 in the ones that he didn't hit 1,000. So it's not like he dipped to like 400. But he has consistently started to taper off. And outside of his rookie season, he's never had less than 700 yards 
in a season until Dak Prescott became the quarterback. 713 in 2015, going backwards, Tarantino. 703 in 2014, 851 in 2013. Like I said, over 1,000 in 2012, 942 in 2011, over 1,000 in 2010, over 1,000 in 2009, 952 in 2008, over 1,100 in 2007, 754 in 2006, 757 in 2005, 980 in 2004, and 347 as a rookie. So since his rookie season, after that rookie season, he's never had below 700 yards receiving until his quarterback became Dak Prescott. His numbers have gone down since Dak Prescott took over. So when people want to do this and want to say this and that and the other thing, your quarterback shifting ultimately affects your receivers. It doesn't matter. The way that your coaches look at your receivers, the way that the game plan is set up, the way that the scheming and the routes are set up, they affect these guys. You know, somebody goes, oh, Dan, Kevin Johnson, who played for Syracuse, he just tapered off to nothing in the Cleveland Browns. They didn't game plan him. They didn't target him. They threw him like one ball a game toward the end of his season. When the new regime came in, they all but forgot that Kevin Johnson was on the team. And he was Tim Couch's favorite target. So I look back at Kevin Johnson's career and say, that was a scheming issue and the coaches saying, we don't really care for this guy. Because how do you go from the number one receiver, you keep the quarterback, and then all of a sudden, you're not even there? No. It's ridiculous. We'll take a step aside here on the show. Plenty more to talk about with the NFL, but we're going to coaching with class with Katie Kalinske in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DreisigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DreisigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DreisigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. 
Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCall. DT with over 960 shows available for download on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. You can go on to wakeupcalldt.com as well and click on the RSS feed, the iTunes store, or the app powered by Podbean, and it'll take you to the same place. We thank you for over 102,000 show downloads as we are at this point, over 300,000 plays. We believe as we send you forward here this morning. So thank you for your participation with the show. And thank you for all the segments that you've loved over the years. Annoying moment of the week, ingredients to success through the looking glass, significant sound bites, which is one that we just started, Fantasy Football Friday and everything we've done up to this point. So with that being said, there is a new segment to the show. I thought, you know, I want to have Katie on the broadcast. And then after doing the video and sitting down and talking, I said, you know what? I don't want to just do this once in a while. I want to have a nice little opportunity every Thursday morning nestled into the show for Wake Up Call. So this segment for you is called Coaching with Class, and it will feature Katie Kalinske, who is on the line with me right now. She spent seven years with Jim Beheim and the coaching staff for Syracuse Men's Basketball, and she will now spend part of her Thursday mornings with us here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So with that being said, Katie, how are you doing today? How are we doing? Good morning, Dan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Katie, first and foremost, I mean, I got to give you a shout out because your video is going a little bit viral for me on social media. So I guess you did something right in your career so far. (laughs) Well, um, it was just a long seven years. And, you know, I've always appreciated the fans at Syracuse because since the day I walked on campus, everyone's uh, supported me. Um, So we definitely have the best fans out there. And when you look at this, I, I want to go to this picture that, that I use. It's it's your Twitter picture. It looks like you're saying, come on, man, to Tyus Battle. And it looks like he's he's kind of feeling that language a little bit, like, all right, okay, I got to get better. Bring me into, do you remember that moment that you were coaching up Tyus a little bit there? In pra- it looks like in practice. Do you remember the, the moment of the picture that you use on social media? Yeah, it was actually pregame warm-ups. Uh, I don't know, I don't remember exactly the game. But in the warm-ups, you know, after we get through doing our warm-ups, normally I would just tell Tyus, you know, something inspirational. Uh, you know, just a little motivation before the game. I'd probably be telling him, you know, no one in the country can even guard you. <laughs> that'd be my normal talk. He'd look at him like, no one can guard you in the whole country. You know, that's just our mindset, and that's his mindset. So. And when you when you look at Tyus and, and what Tyus can be, you know, everybody, it seems like from year to year, 
uh, Syracuse fans have a little sweepstakes, you know, who's going to stay, who's going to go. It's kind of like a baby board, you know, is it going to be a boy or a girl type of thing? Everybody throws out and says, is Tyus going to leave? Is he going to stay? If it's not Tyus, it's Tyler Lydon or it's Tyler Ennis or, or whoever it may be in the past uh, of some of these guys, Michael Carter Williams, Jeremy Grant. What do you think about the Tyus battle factor and, and knowing that, you know, he is, he's obviously, trying to live out his dreams and at the same time trying to make the best decision for himself. What do you think about the situation? Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you never know what these guys are going through and you never know what's best for them. You know, only they can decide that. So when it comes to situations like Leiden or Battle, you know, all I do is just tell them I support them. You know, and I know our staff supports them at the end of the day because, you know, the whole staff just wants the best for them too. You know, they also want, you know, we also want them to make the best decision that's going to help them, you know, in the long run. So um, I think it's great, you know, Tyus, uh, you know, going to the combine and just seeing numbers and talking to people, you know, it can never hurt. Uh, and at the end of the day, like I said, you got to do what's best for you, you know. So um, I think once he goes to the combine and everything, um, he'll be able to figure out, you know, where his next step is a little bit more, you know, just from getting feedback and workouts and everything, you know. And I like that rule that you can put your name in without an agent and come back if necessary, you know. You never want a player stuck. So um, I think it's great. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, I've discussed here on the show before that I think the NCAA and the NBA got a lot of things wrong that they can fix at this point. But one thing that I think that they got right is the fact that there is this bridge, this opportunity over the last few seasons where they said, yeah, you know what, if you're in college and you want to get some information and you're not sure if you should leave or not, you know what, you can apply for the NFL draft you can, you can see if you get an invite to the NFL Draft Combine. They, I think you can work out privately twice with teams or something like that. It's a, it's a minimal thing, but all the teams, if you go to the Combine, can see you, all 30 of them. And so they can kind of watch you and workouts and whatnot, give you feedback, and then you decide right before the draft, do I want to hire an agent and stay? Or, you know, thank you for the information. I, I need to do some things and go back and get better. So I, that's one thing I think the NBA and the NCAA got right is saying to these kids, they're young men. I mean, these these some, a lot of these guys are teenagers, 18, 19. Go see what they say, gauge it, get a feel for it, and then make your decision after that instead of the old way where it was, hey, I think I'm really good and all these people tell me I'm good, so I'm just going to take a shot in the dark with no information it's nice that they can gather information right now. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, it's about the players and, you know, their families and, you know, what they think is best. So, you know, giving them opportunity to make decisions is definitely helpful instead of just putting them in a, a situation where they either have to go or not go. <laughs> so, Speaking here with Katie Kalinske in a new segment on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora entitled Coaching with Class. And Katie, uh, to go a little bit deeper into that, Coaching with Class, just what you could say that means to you because, you know, you have a lot of stories over the years. You have a lot of people that you've learned from. You're obviously with Hall of Famer Jim Beheim. What does coaching with class mean? I think at the end of the day, you know, the reason I want to get into coaching and I, I keep saying this is, you know, it's just a platform to help other people. Um, you can help these kids that come in if it's women's basketball, men's basketball, you know. Uh, people, everyone goes through something. So, um, coaching with class is kind of just being that person, you know, that's going to help them along the way, you know, but coach with dignity, you know, coach the right way, you know, and um, actually really coach every single day um, and just energy. And um, at the end of the day, you know, I keep saying that that's why I want to get into coaching. You know, I want to help as many people as I can um, and hopefully have my own platform to do that one day. 
And when you look at that, the opportunity to, you know, be a coach yourself one day where you're leading, leading a team, not just part of the staff, but leading a team. What for you, like you said, you want to help people. You want to, you want to make sure that you're going out there and, and, you know, and, and bringing something good to these people's lives and educating them and hopefully making them better people as they move forward. What other pieces for you establish a, a great coach, somebody who can have longevity? I mean, you've you've been around Coach Q. You've seen what he's done. You've obviously seen what JB's done up to this point. So what would define great coaching for you? What are some of those characteristics and pillars that you feel you need to have? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've seen either from a Q or Bayheim is uh, just leadership. You know, you know what you're going to get from them at the end of the day, every single day. And they come in with the same leadership and the same uh, energy and intensity on every single day. Um, and then, you know, they have great staffs around them, too. Um, so the whole program as a whole, you know, it's not it's not just the head coaches, the support staff, you know, it's academics. It's the, uh, you know, Brad Pikes, the Ryan Kabilises, you know, everything that comes together, you know, it's your assistant coaches. Um, and then the head coach, obviously, is the guy that everyone goes to. Um, and they make all the decisions. So I think, you know, with Coach, he's just so, so good at making decisions. Um, he does everything the right way all the time. You know what you're going to get from him on every single day. You know, and they're just leaders. They're just someone you want to look to, and they're someone you want to listen to. Um, you know, so when Coach talks, everyone listens. And, you know, because you know he's got something good to say. So I think just the leadership aspect and, you know, having the right people around him, you know, is what will keep you in the game a long time, you know. It's the off season, so people get squirrely for basketball right now. So uh, we're, we'll, we'll talk a little bit here before we get into the NBA. But with the off season for college basketball, Jim Beheim, you and I have, have discussed him. What can you say about you know your interaction with him when it's one on one? You know how how much is he a teacher to you? Does he spend time with you to to discuss? certain things that he wants you to know or certain things to look at? Or is he kind of like, Katie, we're happy that you're here, but you got to kind of follow him and, and learn on your own. Does he take the time to turn to you and say, you know, the, here are some of my thoughts or do you have any questions? Or is it more of if you're going to be an apprentice on this staff, you kind of just have to follow my lead type of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, he, he luckily let me be in all the coaches meetings and you know, I was out there every day, so I just had to watch and observe. You know, I got to listen in the coaches' meetings. I got to hear everything he was saying. You know, and that that's that's coach. You know, you just you just listen. You know, he talks and you listen. So, you know, if any moment I had a question, I could just ask him. Um, but my biggest thing was just listening. You know, because he's done it for so long and he he knows what he's doing. So, you know, just being a you know a bug on that wall in the coaches' meetings or in the huddles or you know I got to be in all the huddles. I got to be in all the coaches' meetings. Um, you know, during um halftime I got to be in the coach's huddle so you know I just got to kind of listen and you know when like I said when he talks you listen because he just has so much knowledge he's been doing it for so long he knows so much about the game you know and he sees everything a lot different you know than a normal person was would so you know just being there was just the best thing that ever has happened to me speaking here with Katie Kalinske spent seven years under Jim Beheim on the coaching staff of Syracuse men's basketball. We are in a new segment every Thursday now at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time called Coaching with Class, where Katie Kalinske will join me to speak on the sport of basketball as well as coaching in general and living out your dreams. Katie, looking at something before we uh, kind of we roll back around to your dreams and aspirations and some things we discussed in the video that's up on social media right now on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, 
And you can also watch it on youtube.com backslash wake up call DT. And I want to thank everybody that's watched it and the, the, the overwhelming support for what Katie's working toward and what Katie's already done. Uh, when you look at the NBA playoffs, what can you say about how involved you are? Are you sitting there? Are you watching these series, watching these games? Are you watching a player? How involved are you? Because some people that are NCAA involved are well, you know, very, very much hands-off when it comes to the NBA. What can you say about your connection with the NBA playoffs? Do you enjoy it? Oh, I love the playoffs, you know. Um, they're, they're so fun to watch. Uh, you can't you can't get enough of it. Um, you know, even watching, you know, the game last night, Utah-Houston, uh, that, that game was so fun to watch. It's back and forth. And I love, when I watch the games, I, I mostly watch the offensive sets. You know, like I'm big at um, how they run their offenses. You know, I love Houston and D'Antoni, uh, Brad Stevens and the Celtics, you know, just seeing how they run things, you know, and then. It's also fun because, you know, you could watch Houston all year and know, you know, wow, they're really good uh, getting up and down and shooting a lot of threes. And it's fun to see Utah trying to take that away or, you know, try to take Harden away, which many teams haven't done all year, or how they guard them. So it's just fun because you get to see a lot of different things of how they get guarded in certain situations or, you know, how they're defending the pick and roll. And, um, you know, you can always learn something from anything. You know, you could walk into a middle school gym and learn a couple new drills that you might not know. So it's just, you know, if you love basketball, you're going to try to absorb it as many ways as possible. And when you look at some of these series, you know, I want to go to the Houston Rockets, their number one team out of out of the Western Conference, up against number five, Utah. And they're obviously playing these first couple games in Houston, but it's split one-to-one. Utah won on it yesterday, for those of you that are sitting here listening live, Wednesday, May 2nd. They won that game in Houston, Texas, 116-108. Thoughts on Utah? I mean, this this is one of those teams that people kind of forget about. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, John Stockton and Carl Malone used to play there. You know, I think they used to have Gordon Hayward for a little while. That was pretty cool. But, you know, around the country, it's kind of funny when you're like, well, name the players that they have on their team that, that aren't Donovan Mitchell, who came out of Louisville and obviously played up against Syracuse a bunch of times. His 2017 first-round pick, 13th overall by the Denver Nuggets. What are your thoughts on, on the Utah Jazz, who used to have prowess in the Jordan years and used to have some pretty amazing moments? And, and obviously, you know, Byron Russell and, and, and Michael Jordan had some moments there toward the end of Mike's career with the Bulls. Thoughts on this Utah Jazz team now and what they look like here and now in this moment? Yeah, I think, you know, when I was watching the game last night, my they, they, they're young, but they just played so hard, you know, and I feel like from the beginning of the game, that's kind of how they knocked Houston out of their game a little bit is, you know, Houston likes to run, but Utah was running, <laughs> you know, and they were getting fast break threes and, you know, they were in their grill and they're all over the place. So I felt like they kind of um, beat Houston at their own game a little bit. You know, they just had so much energy and they were playing defense with energy. And I, I felt like Houston didn't really play with that type of energy despite the game that uh, Utah had. And, you know, like I said, Utah's such a young team, you know. Um, even, you know, Favors put in 10 points yesterday. And, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he had, he, I think he had uh, 11 assists. And, you know, just watching them play, I thought they played like a team. I thought Houston kind of was back into their one-on-one ball a little bit. And I thought Utah really prepared the basketball a lot. And, you know, they were making the right play. And, you know, they got Houston kind of breaking down on their defense. And once they got in the paint, it was like they could kick it out. You know, they had an easy layup or uh, whatever it was. So I just felt like they played so hard, you know. And then Ingles even dropped 27. 
and a lot of people probably don't even know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's and that's the thing is you know Ingles thirty six minutes had twenty seven points. He was ten for thirteen. Small forward on the team, Joe Ingles, who did not have go to college here in the states uh, three years so far inside of the NBA. And if you look at his statistics, he spent his whole career with the Utah Jazz, but it's it was you know he he played in a bunch of games in the past, but wasn't a starter. He was you know he started less than half in 2014-15 in 81 games in 2015-16. He only started two of them. Started 26 games last season, but this season he's he started in the regular season 81 of 82 games. So you know Ingles has definitely come on as of late, and he has worked his way through the system and the organization to become the starter that he is today. And, yeah, and then, oh, sorry, go ahead. And then even Utah's bench yesterday, you know, uh, Crowder came off, he had Burks, um, you know, and I thought Exxon when he was in the game played great defense. Um, so that's why I felt like it was just a team effort yesterday with how they attacked Houston, and I don't know if Houston was ready for it. <laughs> No, and, and when we look at one of the things here with Donovan Mitchell that that we had that I brought up before, you know, he had 17 points in 38 minutes. But I want to discuss because I'm sure Katie, when you know, the, in this college world, when you go to different places, <clears throat> Cameron Indoor, you you see there's some shade that gets thrown a little bit here. Well, Donovan Mitchell threw a little bit of that in the way of Ben Simmons when he wore a hoodie that had the definition of a rookie an athlete playing his or her first season as a member of a professional sports team. Well, recently here, Donovan Mitchell didn't even have to be playing up against the Philadelphia 76ers because the Boston Celtic fans were chanting, not a rookie at Ben Simmons, which Donovan Mitchell loved. What do you think about this whole, the hoodie, the shade that was thrown, and then the Celtics, at least for now in this moment, have have joined with Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz in, in, you know, reminding Ben Simmons that this isn't his first year with the team. Yeah, and also, uh, I like how Donovan Mitchell's been going about it because I think it's the way Ben Simmons said it. He was he was basically saying, well, why does anyone think there's even another option? Like, it's obviously me. And I think Donovan Mitchell took that as, like, wait a second. I could see, like, maybe if you say you thought it's going to be you because, you know, you're going to root for yourself, but to say that there's not even any competition is kind of, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, after you see my numbers, and now he's just p- completely gone off. And, you know, I think he just wanted to be known, you know, don't forget about me over here just because I played for Utah in a small market. You know, don't don't forget about what I've done this year. You know, so I think he just wanted to kind of stick up for himself saying, you know, don't, don't disrespect what I've done. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and then that's the thing is that Donovan Mitchell, I don't think people anticipate, and that's the thing too when we look at this is, Ben Simmons, people have high expectations of what he was supposed to do. Donovan Mitchell, people didn't have as high of those expectations. I mean, the team that drafted him doesn't even have him, and and that was in 2017. So with him coming in in the draft, you know, they, they Denver got him, and then now he's on the Utah Jazz. He's a guy that I think flew under the radar, even though he got drafted in the top 13. He's out of Louisville and did some good things there, but he had up and down moments. You know, I, I think he's stating a fact. Like you said, I, I I would respond to that too. If I'm averaging five points a game or 30 points a game, if somebody says there's no other option, you know it's me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock you down a couple pegs when you say something like that because that's saying that there's nobody in the entire league of the NBA in 30 franchises besides you 
that's good enough to even be considered, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and that's why I agree with what he did. You know, just kind of putting it out there, you're not going to forget about me. <laughs> no, and I thought it was great. And then to, to go to the Boston series with the 76ers, a lot of people kind of, you know, initially jumping on the bandwagon in Philadelphia – you know, Philly's been having top picks in the lottery for multiple years. People talk about them tanking and, oh, they got to be doing this on purpose. And they get all this young talent and they ship it away and they keep some of it and then they ship some more away and then they keep some more. Well, Philadelphia has been doing some good things and they obviously got out of the first round, but they're going up against the Celtics. They got a game tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on TNT. But in game one, the Celtics knocked down the 76ers and took it to him, one at home by 16. Thoughts on this series? Are, are people, in your opinion, is buying into Philadelphia and putting your money on red right now, is that premature, in your opinion, at this point? You know, I think, I think it's going to be an interesting series. You know, I think uh, Philadelphia might come back tonight and get a win. I think they're going to definitely make it interesting. You know, um, you know Boston's good. They, you know, they play together. Uh, Brad Stevens, what he's done is remarkable. You know, he keeps losing all his players, and they still seem to just come out and put it to you. So, I, but I definitely think Philadelphia's going to make it a series. I think they're young, but, uh, you know, I'm going to trust the process, like, you know, like they keep telling us to do. Yeah, so. and, and, you know, there's no – and the thing with, with Boston is that whatever people want to say about them, they made a big splash with Gordon Hayward, but they don't have him. And are, are you surprised or are you impressed – that they went through all of this time without Gordon Hayward and with him being out due to injury, that they've been able to be successful, not just successful a little bit, but they are where they are right now. And they're in the final four of the West and they have a good opportunity to continue to push forward. Has Boston gone above and beyond what you expected them to do without Gordon Hayward? Yeah, I think too. You know, the biggest thing was that I think he got hurt the first game of the season, so they never really got used to playing with him. Yeah. So I guess that, I guess if you were going to get hurt at what point, one, what like one part of the season, I guess the first game would be the best ideal because you know you were never used to him. You know, you were just used to the guys that you had before. So I think um, you know they were already used to playing without him. I think the biggest surprise for me was when Kyrie went down. <laughs> Is the you know the how they're playing now. Uh, you know, Rozier is just killing it. And I think he's the biggest surprise. I was watching the other day, and I'm like, where did he come from? I mean, obviously, you know, we, we all know where he, what college he went to, but I just didn't expect him to come out like that for uh, the playoffs. No, and speaking here in a, in a new segment to Wake Up Call, coaching with class with Katie Kalinske, who spent seven years on the staff of Syracuse men's basketball under Jim Beheim. To, you know, go off what you're saying, Terry, Terry Rozier, 29 points in the most recent game that they had, the game one against Philadelphia, and Terry's been playing lights out. I mean, he's really been doing an amazing thing here. I remember him for having that little cut, that little, the, the swirl in his hair that they had every time he got a haircut that they had him, like, put that swirl in. So I remember Terry for that. But, I mean, Terry's one of those guys that him and Jason Tatum, who came from Duke, these guys are playing together, young guys on the Celtics team, and in this first ser- first game of the series against Philadelphia, what they were able to put together, combined they had 57 points between the two of them, 
you know, Jason Tatum was drafted high, but I still think some people might have tried to sleep a little bit on him. And then Terry, I mean, Terry's a guy that, that definitely flew under the radar. And, I mean, he was drafted in the first round 16th by Boston, but it was almost like, like you said, you know, people kind of, who is this guy and where did he come from? Because Kyrie Irving is the focus. And, and before that, the focus was elsewhere with some of the other guys that were on the team. So, you know, with what Terry's done and what Jason's done, and, and, and obviously, you know, old man Horford, you know, 10 years inside of the NBA coming out of Florida. I mean, these guys have done some really, really great things to help this team push forward. And, and there's even another guy from the ACC, Shane Larkin, coming off the bench out of Miami in his third year. So there's there's some ACC love on this Celtics team. And they have put together no Gordon Hayward, no Kyrie Irving, and yet they're still a force. And everybody wants to talk about Cleveland and LeBron. I want to talk about Boston figuring out a way to continue to move forward and, and it just showing how deep this team is without two of their superstars. Yeah, and also, you know, they just, there's no one, now with like Kyrie being out and stuff, no one's averaging 20 points a game, but everyone in their own right is averaging, you know, double figures. So, you know, you got Jalen, you got Jason, you got Marcus Morris, Al Horford, you know, Terry Rozier, you know, they're all, they're all playing together and they're all um, contributing, you know, and that's Brad Stevens. And that's why I say I love Brad Stevens' offensive sets because, you know, the way he attacks uh, the other team and, you know, I just think it's unbelievable. Um, and, you know, and then we all watched Jason Tatum in uh, college, and I loved Jason Tatum's game before he got to the pros. I thought he was one of the most pro-ready players in the draft, you know, and he's showing it, you know, just from, you know, I used to watch his workouts that he would do with Drew Hanlon before the draft, too, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that they were doing is just something that translates to the game, you know, a lot of one-on-one, a lot of off-the-dribble stuff and shooting, so he just, um, you know, I thought he was going to be really good, so when they took him, I thought he was going to definitely uh, do some things this year. Yeah, and, and as we move forward here, speaking with Katie Kalinske, Katie, before I let you go, the other two series that we have, the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans, Golden State number two in the West and New Orleans number six. New Orleans is a good team. New Orleans is a tough team to play. New Orleans has definitely come up. They went 48-34 and 34 in the regular season. They won 24 games away out of the 41 that they had. But here's the thing. They're playing the Golden State Warriors, and as good as New Orleans is, they're playing the Golden State Warriors. And as much as they do that's wonderful, they're playing the Golden State Warriors. So, I mean, somebody's got to play them. And somebody, I mean, obviously, when you come to the playoffs, we're, we're playing Golden State. That's what happens in the West now. But to go to New Orleans for a second, I know they get overshadowed by the fact that Steph Curry shoots from my living room when he plays in most games, but New Orleans is is a team that, that I think has definitely made a lot of good strides and has come up, and if it wasn't for this series with Golden State, not that New Orleans can't win a game, but whatever they do, and even if they're leading, it's really hard to do anything against Golden State. And, and, and most recent game, 116 scored by New Orleans, 121 by Golden State. You push them, they push you a little bit farther. You raise them a couple chips, they they go all in. And all in for New Orleans hasn't gotten them a win yet, but they are still a good team. So just to speak to what you think of New Orleans at this point. Yeah, I think it's remarkable, you know, what they did in the first round. And, you know, you love stories like that where it's so unexpected. You know, uh, DeMarcus Cousins goes down. 
and you know they all come together um so you know unfortunately for them curry just came back at the right time <laughs> and then and even you know like you said um golden state needed all of it you know they needed those uh four extra points because they didn't you know they definitely wouldn't have won so but I love the way Rajon Rondo has been playing, you know, and everyone kind of has come in at Rajon his whole career, you know, from when he played with Boston to when he was with the Kings. And I think, I don't think people understand Rajon Rondo because he really, his knowledge of the game and his leadership and his love for the game, you know, is what pushes him. And I just think he loves the game so much. And, you know, sometimes people will take that love for, you know, maybe a negative, but he just, what he's done this year with them and, you know, how he's been the leader of the team, you know, it says a lot about him. Yeah. Um, and then Drew Holiday, too, you know, everything Drew's been through with his wife and, you know, coming back this year and, you know, doing the numbers he's doing, you know, I think, you know, they got some players on this team, you know, and then you can't, you know, obviously Anthony Davis is just remarkable. <laughs> so, you know, they do, they got players, you know, and you, you got to respect that. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing with the New Orleans Pelicans is, you know, Etwan Moore out of Purdue and Ray John Rondo, like you said, people coming at him and just how his career's gone and everybody always seeming to have an opinion on him lately. And Drew Holiday, it's these guys that people forgot. You know, Etwan Moore, Drew Holiday, Ray John Rondo, they were forgotten a little bit. And here they are, you know, like you said, you talk about double figures, the entire starting five average double figures in, in, in the game against Golden State most recently here. And they didn't really have to go to much of their bench. And, you know, you look at some of the guys on their bench, you know, Emeka Okafor is there nine years out of Connecticut. You know, there's there's some really good players that are kind of just hanging out. Jordan Crawford is there out of Xavier that they didn't have to put out there. So, you know, New Orleans is is dangerous. And New Orleans is that team that you can't sleep on. And somehow it's like overnight it feels like they just kind of woke up and, and came in and, and here we are in the playoffs of 2018 and they're one of those teams that are that are tough to go up against, but somehow, I mean, Golden State just fig, they just do it. They just figure it out. Twenty eight points in twenty seven minutes by Steph Curry, you know, coming back into this thing, and you know, Draymond Green, you know, outside of him and Charles Barkley about to duke it out in in the parking lot of the next game, I guess. But outside of that, I mean, this they, Golden State is just they resemble the Chicago Bulls. In the sense of, I mean, it's kind of like if you took Pippen and Jordan but put them a little bit higher because I'm looking at Kevin Durant and I'm like, eh, it's kind of a little bit higher than Pippen. So you look at Steph Curry and you look at Kevin Durant and then Andre Iguodala, I mean, the guy's played for, I think, at this point, 43 years in the NBA. And Draymond Green's your Dennis Rodman. So, you know, it's and then there's guys like Clay Thompson that people forget about. He hits a couple shots here and there. So, you know, th- this Golden State Warriors team, they're just, they're a pain in the butt to play. And and I think it's, you're seeing right here, New Orleans is literally like, what the hell do we have to do to get one win from these guys? What do you think about the Warriors and, and what, their, what their makeup is? Do they resemble the Bulls or another team to you at all? And then secondly, what do you think about Draymond Green and Charles Barkley in the parking lot? <laughs> Yeah, um, I just think that it's just, I don't think we'll ever be a team like Golden State. I don't even know if you can compare it to the Bulls because at the end of the day, they have so many superstars on their team, it's not even fair. <laughs> you know, to pull less team up and be a superstar. And, you know, they already had Clay, Draymond, and Curry. And then they're like, oh, well, let's just add Kevin Durant, who's probably top 
two, three in the whole league. <laughs> and you already had guys that were top ten in the league. So it's just, I think, you know, the Bulls never really, you know, came together like that where they're just getting four or five superstars on the team. You know, obviously Michael Jordan and uh, Pippen, but it's just like, it's unbelievable. I just, I don't know how you beat it. <laughs> like, you just, they just come in with so many angles, and if one guy has an off mate, you probably have someone else who's scoring 20 to 30 a game, and it's, it's hard. Like, I, I understand the frustrations because it's like, all right, well, if I stop Curry and I try to put a hold on Durant, you know, but you still got Curry, you still got uh, Thompson, you know, it's just they come at you in so many ways, and then their bench always comes in and gets good minutes. So it's not even that they're starting five, it's their bench, too. Yeah, and that, and that's the craziness of the Golden State Warriors is it seems like every single year they're going to put on. And when teams get really good like New Orleans, they still find ways to shake them off you. Speaking of shaking it off, uh, the final piece that we'll have here, coaching class with Katie Kalinske this morning, new segment that we have on Wake Up Call every Thursday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, and happy to have Katie here. The Toronto Raptors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nobody talks about Toronto, and when they do, it's nine times out of ten disrespectful. Nobody wants to discuss who they are, what they're capable of doing. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that they won more home games this season than they've ever won. They won more games this season overall than they've ever won. They were the first seed in the Eastern Conference for the first time ever in their history. Nobody wants to discuss that. Everybody wants to discuss how it doesn't matter because LeBron James, they never have an answer for him. And when he drove down the lane late in the fourth quarter and went by everybody, that exact play was the play that I'm talking about when I say you need somebody to front him. However, Jonas Valanciunas and the rest of the guys made great adjustments toward the end of regulation to keep him from getting some good clean shots for the most part outside of a couple that he had, and, and one of them, you know, the turnaround jumper, that was a really tough make that he had to get to tie the game. But Toronto led for four quarters, and they've struggled with closing games out. They lose in overtime by one point, and all of a sudden, Cleveland, they, you know, LeBron James is a god, and oh my lord, he's he could take down all the Avengers and Thanos himself, and this, that, and the other. People want to talk about how great LeBron is. They won by one point. But I think this is more of a story about how Toronto doesn't slam the door when it's starting to creak shut. What do you think about the series? Yeah, well, I think so many people have been putting em- emphasis on LeBron is because he's here putting the team on his back, and there's some guys that aren't even. I, I thought this. I don't know what the stat I saw the other day it was something like not one player had over 20 points besides LeBron. Like he literally is putting the whole team on his back. And, you know, just seeing the team he had this year, obviously, you know, he doesn't have the people around him like Golden State. He doesn't have the people around him, you know, as other people do. So he's just kind of, you know, doing it his own right. Um, But I feel like people forget, too, that, you know, Kevin Love at one point was one of the most dominating forwards in the league. You know, so he does have some players there. They're just not performing the way they should perform, you know. He's still dealing with J.R. Smith and, you know, those type of guys, but... I think Toronto's going to come back, though. I mean, you know, losing by one is a heartbreaker, but, you know, in the NBA, anything can happen. And, you know, I think uh, Toronto has the players. You know, you have Kyle Lowry, you have DeRozan, you know, Valanciunas uh, and stuff. I think they, they got the players, Ibaka, you know, to do it. Um, I think they're going to definitely come back. I don't think it's going to be that easy for the Cavs because I don't know how, how much LeBron can really put his team on the back every game. <laughs> so. Does Toronto stand a chance? I mean, they, a couple seasons ago – were looking at 
their first potential trip to the NBA Finals in the Eastern Conference Finals. Cleveland had not lost a game in their first two series, and Toronto handed them their first two losses before they ultimately lost to Cleveland, but they were able to kind of show that the king can bleed a little bit. And then last year, they just got annihilated by Cleveland like they weren't even prepared for it. This time around, third time's the charm, maybe. Do you think that Toronto has what it takes to defeat Cleveland at this point? You know, I think they can do it. It's just the way LeBron's playing right now, that's what's kind of in my, in my heart. I'm like, LeBron, it's hard to go against LeBron at this point in his career where he's so dominating. But if a team's going to do it, I think Toronto can do it because I think they have the pieces to do it. I mean, I think they're a complete team. You know, like the, like you said, they won 59 games this year. You know, people forget about that. And um, I think that it's going to be tough, you know, obviously going against LeBron. But I think, I think they're going to at least make it a series. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think it is. I think I'm going to go with the Cavs in seven. You're, I think it's going to take seven games, but I think they can definitely make a comeback in the series. You're killing me, Katie. You're killing me. <laughs> but it's t- it's tough. It's tough. It's tough when you face LeBron James. Not a lot of answers. For- I love when somebody says Toronto has no answers for Cleveland. You know what? Most people don't have well, – not for Cleveland. When somebody says nobody can answer LeBron, like LeBron just face up LeBron, I yeah, that's why he's LeBron James. I mean, Golden State is a giant tidal wave. That's how they can take down LeBron – but most teams can't can't front them. And I said, you know, a Golden State winning their most recent championship, I said, Golden State ran through. They beat everybody. Nobody touched them. So it's like, well, how did how did Golden State lose one game? Because they wanted to go back to California so they could win the championship in front of I think they were just toying with LeBron. So, you know, that's how it looks. But Toronto, they need to jump on it. And they have game two today, Thursday, May 3rd. We'll see what they do in Jurassic Park. With that being said, Katie, thank you uh, for joining us here on today's show, and I look forward to making this a habit every Thursday morning and and getting you out there and, and, and everything that you're doing. Like I said, you have a great support system, and you've obviously left a good impression on a lot of people, and hopefully, I know it will, turn into something good for you coming up here soon. All right, I appreciate it, Dan. All right, I'll talk with you soon. All right, bye. Take care. That coming from Katie Kalinske one more time here with the Syracuse. She was on the Syracuse Orange staff for seven seasons, including the most recent run to the Sweet 16 by the Syracuse Orange. She's been on the staff all the way through with Jim Bayheim and, and right now, obviously, Adrian Autry, Jerry McNamara, Alan Griffin, Kip Wellman, and company. So I appreciate her being a part of the show today. And, you know, that I mean, we're going to have to discuss that Toronto-LeBron in, in just a moment, but I want to give Katie one more thank you, and, and obviously she's looking for an opportunity moving forward, and I look forward to where that opportunity is going to bring her and hope that they give her 9.30 a.m. off so she can continue to come on to hear it. But we are starting this new segment, Coaching with Class, and I look forward to what that's going to be. We'll take a fast break. We'll be right back with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is 
brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so. I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or HondaCity-CNY.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you and hang out with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We just had Katie Kalinske on the show for an all-new segment called Coaching with Class. And we appreciate Katie and her seven years under Jim Beheim and being on the staff at Syracuse University for the men's basketball program. So big shout out to Katie and thank you for being a part of the show. And phenomenal insight on the NBA playoffs and, and everything that we got to speak about. So that was fun. It was a good time. Cleveland Cavaliers faced off against the Toronto Raptors. Toronto's got to finish. That's what they, they have to finish games. They don't finish games. They don't do it. The reason why Toronto was in such a terrible situation in their first series is that they didn't close games out. You're leading it, but with eight minutes to go, shut the game down. 
just shut it down. That's what you got to do. You got to close it out, right? They won their two games at home, and then they lost two on the road, and then they won at home, and then they finally won on the road and were able to get that done and get out of that Wizards series because the Wizards took it to them in recent history when they were in the playoffs up against them. But now with the Cleveland Cavaliers, you got two games at home. You already dropped one. So you got game two tonight at 6 o'clock Eastern time, 6 p.m. Then you're two at Cleveland. This is the thing with Toronto. They did better at home than they did on the road this season. Because they're the number one team in the East, they're going to play the majority of the games of a seven-game series at home. If they go seven, they got four at home, three on the road. But you cannot afford to lose at home because... If you look at that and say, okay, well, you got four at home. Cleveland can only have three at home, but you just dropped one, which means you need to take care of something in Cleveland. And that'll be interesting to see what the Raptors do. They got a game tonight, and they got to show that they can take it down. I mean, it, it does. You don't have a response to LeBron James, but you need to get one, okay? You can't just say, well, they, they don't know how to respond. They're going to have to figure out a way to respond. There's no more, oh, you know, they just can't figure it out. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to lose every single year every time you face them. That's what you're going to do. You're never going to get by the big bad wolf. Nobody did crazy amazing in this. No one was like, oh, my God, besides LeBron. And LeBron wasn't insane. In 47 minutes, he scored 26 points. He wasn't, oh, my Lord, look at him. He was right by his average this season, which is 27.5 points per game. He was 1 for 8 from 3-point. He was 12 for 30 from the field, which means he missed 18 and made 12. He had no offensive rebounds in the game, but he had 13 assists, and he did what he needed to do toward the end of the game. Kevin Love only had 7 points. George Hill only had 4 points in this game. These guys were quiet, right? Kyle Korver stepped up. And he helped the team out 14 years out of Creighton. And J.R. Smith stepped up as well. 13 years. 13 years he's been in the NBA. And J.R. Smith is a carryover from what Cleveland used to look like. And then you have Jeff Green coming off the bench out of Georgetown, ninth year. He gave him 16 points. And I love this. Tristan Thompson, everybody was screaming Chloe inside of the Air Canada Center in Toronto. Everybody screaming Chloe on Chloe Kardashian because allegedly, while she was giving birth to her child that she had with Tristan Thompson, he was out with somebody else. He was out doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of, oh, I don't know if that's good. And Toronto started cheering for Chloe. So guess what, Chloe? I'm not a giant fan of watching the Kardashians, but if I had to pick any of them, I'd pick Chloe because she seems most normal. And I'm always going to take the side of a woman who gets cheated on or a man that gets cheated on by somebody who has no damn respect. Especially your girl is pregnant having your child. And you're running out on her? Okay. So Tristan Thompson, I don't care if you score 40 points in a game. My butt is never going to cheer for you because if you don't know how to treat a woman, I don't want to know you. I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, bye. Colin Kaepernick got blackballed for taking a knee for a minute 30. Pac-Man Jones gets involved with a shooting. That's okay. 
this moron, Tori, you know, Tristan Thompson, pardon me, not Torian Thompson, Tristan Thompson, he gets involved with this, running out on his woman, not only allegedly cheating on his girl, but doing it while she's having a child that is his baby. You can't get sicker than that. If he gets bumped out of the NBA because the NBA wants to have a better moral skill set or just common human decency, I'm not going to be mad about that. And I'm definitely not joining a protest to help Tristan Thompson get back in if he gets bumped out. Colin Kaepernick, I told him he can come hang out with me. We could do a peaceful protest somewhere about equality anytime. Tristan Thompson, hell no. What are you gonna? What do you, what do you want? Equality of girlfriends? Equality of your ability to use your manhood on so many different people that on the day that somebody is having your baby, you're impregnating someone else potentially, you're a scumbag. That's it. Call what it is. You go, you run out on your girl while she's giving birth. I'm never going to cheer for that. I'm an impartial broadcaster (laughs) and may the best team win. But when you talk to me about morals and values, I'm never going to cheer on a scumbag. And if Tristan, if what you did is what you did, and what we heard is what you did, I don't care what you do in your career. Because you're disgusting. If that's what it is. Two days before she gave birth. Makes you want to throw up. So, Tristan Thompson, whatever. Toronto, cheering for Chloe when he was at the free throw line. Love it. I want to see Chloe on her Instagram with the Toronto Raptors shirt now. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. But Tristan, I mean, I can't, I can't, you run, you run out on your significant other, you, you get, no, if he's cheating, man, I can't, I can't, not gonna, I can't look past that. Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's cool. Oh, you know, he scored, he scored 14 points. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'd be like, Tristan, go take care of your home life. You pig. Bye. We'll do it without you. But Toronto, getting back to the game, sorry, little tangent here. I don't like when people do scumbag things, and if he indeed did this, he's a disgusting human being. And I applaud Toronto for cheering for Chloe. Getting back to the Raptors, DeMar DeRozan's going to come to play, okay? He has 22 points, and that's like an off night, right? Oh, my God, he didn't score 30. So, (laughs) but it's true. DeMar DeRozan played 40 40 minutes in the game. Kyle Lowry, 40 minutes. He had 18 points for Lowry. Valanchunas stepped up, 21 points in 34 minutes, 7 of 19 from the field, 7 for 9 from the charity stripe at the center position, 21 rebounds and 21 points. You can't ask for more from Jonas Valanciunas. You really can't. Serge Ibaka can step it up. He had nine points in 29 minutes and only had two rebounds in the game. That needs to that needs to jump up a little bit. The bench, they didn't have to go to everybody, and they didn't do too much. Van Vliet, he missed some, missed some shots down the stretch, but he had nine points in 15 minutes. Jay, Jakob 
Peddle had four points in 17 minutes. He's got to step his game up. It's a first-round pick right there. C.J. Miles, six points in 21 minutes. And then P.J. with, or Pascal, pardon me, with 11 points in 22 minutes. Not too shabby. Four for five from the field. One one for one from three-point range. But, you know, I didn't like how Toronto worked the ball at the end of the game. I don't like who they put the ball in the hands of at the end of the game. I think that they could have given some more opportunities to other people. I think that, I mean, you want the ball in the hands of DeRozan or Lowry, but even, you know, in this game, Pascal, you know, for what he did, or or Miles, because they had at least made a three, you know, and, and made a few of them together, where Van Vliet was one for five, and down the stretch missed a couple. So, you know, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to knock Van Vliet. I'm just saying, working the ball around, it didn't look like the best look, and it didn't look like he got a nice arc on it, nor did he get a, a good shot out there. So, you know, for me, I would like to see some things change. You know, I think the Raptors beat the Raptors, in all honesty. I think that LeBron gets in their head. I think that they realize that it's LeBron and they play like LeBron's little puppy brother type thing. You know, oh my God, I don't want to, I don't want to upset the king. Well, upset the king because if you don't upset the king, you're not moving on. You need to upset the king and literally upset the king because people don't think you can win. And if you do, it's an upset. But you need to do it and make it yours. You have to. I mean, if they don't, if they don't take care of business. That's going to be three years in a row that Cleveland said, oh, Toronto, yeah, it's cute that you made it this far, but why don't you go home and watch the big boys play? And you don't want to be that. You don't want to be the little brother just sitting and watching on this. So I hope that Toronto, number one, you know, you talk about ingredients to success that we do Tuesdays with Utica Pizza Company. The ingredients to success for Toronto to beat the Cavaliers Get out of your head that it's LeBron James, the superstar. Get out of your head that he's always going to bring the team back down the stretch. Close games out. Make sure that you get good shots on your possessions. Work the ball around. When you drive in and they give you space, keep driving. You know, when Toronto played the Washington Wizards, they would drive in and back the ball out. And this wasn't when they were up by 20. These were in close games or when they are losing. You don't back up. When you charge, you charge. You go after it. Now, I'm not saying give them a charge and lose the ball. I'm saying when you go down the lane and they give you space, and when you give LeBron an inch, he takes the 15 yards. So when Toronto would get an inch, they would back up and lose a yard. Working the ball around, protecting the basketball. Don't look clumsy. Toronto is the number one team of the East. Act like it. On paper... You're the number one team. On paper, you're better than Boston. You're better than Cleveland because you, inside of your division and your conference, took charge and took hold of the number one spot. So act like it. Right now, you're acting like you're the seventh seed, the fifth seed. Act like the number one seed. They got to beat you. You're the best team that's out there right now in the East. You're the one that has more wins than anybody else this season. So act like it. Act accordingly. Jason Tatum, pain in the butt to play. Terry Rozier, pain in the butt to play. LeBron James, pain in the butt to play. But guess what? You want to win a national championship? You got to beat the best. You want to be the best? You got to beat the best. People say it's cliche. It's also truth. The Toronto Raptors, if you want to win these games, play like the number one team in the country in the East. 
Act like what you fought your butt off to get to. Nobody did what you did this season in the East except for you. So act like it, or else you're just the Toronto Raptors again. Number one, number five, number seven, number eight, number six, number three, it doesn't matter. You lose this game, or you lose this series, you're telling the world, whatever seed we are, we're still the team that's the little brother that's not prepared to take on our big bro in a one-on-one matchup in our parents' driveway. Be different. Do more. LeBron James is a phenomenal player. But he had to do everything and then some just to get to overtime and then to win by a point. Keep your foot on the pedal and don't take it off until you're past the dinosaurs of Jurassic. This is the thing. You are Jurassic Park. You are the danger zone. Act accordingly. Do what you need to do. Raptors have bite. So don't sit here like somebody put a muzzle on you and gave you a tranquilizer. Get some bite back in you. This, this isn't good enough to shake LeBron's hand and go, Hi, hi, hi LeBron, I'm, I'm a big fan. No, leave that for the end of it. You want to shake LeBron's hand, shake it after you win the series. I'm not saying shake it every... I'm saying... I'm not saying don't shake his hand in, in good sportsmanship, okay? I'm saying if you want to tell LeBron how big of a fan you are of him, wait until the series is over. Wait until you shut him up. Because many have not. Do you want to be on the long list of didn't beat LeBron? Can't handle LeBron? LeBron James doesn't have Dwayne Wade anymore. He doesn't have Chris Bosh anymore. He doesn't have Kyrie Irving anymore. There's no excuses. Corver's been there. J.R. Smith has been there. Kevin Love has been there. So take it to him. Take it to the house. Let him know who you are. Cleveland or Toronto or wherever the hell you play, let them know who you are, Toronto. You have the opportunity. Bigger than ever before, you are. So stand tall and stand that way. Don't disrespect yourselves. Don't say, oh my God, we're pretty good, but look at LeBron. Because that's what it looks like at the end of games. It's like they realize that the big bad wolf's on the other side and they just let their house get blown down. Reinforce your house, build a strong foundation, and win the damn games. You are the home team. And when you go on the road, they're going to show you no love. They're going to laugh in your face. They're going to call you puny raptors. They're going to call you baby dinosaurs. Shut out the noise. Shut out LeBron. Treat number 23 like he's anybody else. He's standing in your way of having your hardware. Do you really want him to get it again? Or would you like to hoist it for the first time ever? You've been in the league since 1995. It's 2018. You had season after season where you did not make the playoffs. Season after season where people said, look at how puny they are. Look at how puny they are. And then you started making the playoffs a few years back again. And you started to bring some reality to the fact that you're a dangerous team. Then you faced Cleveland and they embarrassed you. And then you faced Cleveland and they embarrassed you. Are you really going to let them do it one more time? Who cares if it's LeBron? Who cares if it's Jordan? Who cares if it's Steph Curry? Play your game. Play your game. Toronto has become something special over the years, but it falls on deaf ears, and it's easily forgotten when they lose every single year to the same 
Big Bad Wolf. It's your time, Toronto. And you're not going to have forever. And there's no guarantee that the next 82 games are going to go in your favor next season. So either stand in awe of LeBron James and look up, you know, look up at the video board to his face and start drooling and gushing and then watch him steal the ball out of your hand or keep your eyes focused on the prize and go to work today. We'll take a step aside. We'll be back in a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. So look professional, look good, and feel good. Outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Unica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Back here on the broadcast and coming off the court and back to the field to speak on the NFL again and, and just to kind of tie up some things here with Jason Witten, you know, it's tough. And and there's different ends to the spectrum. You say, you know, when guys get deeper into their career, they start to dwindle a little bit. I look at the fact of saying that, like I said, by the numbers, he had never had outside of his rookie season less than 700 receiving yards a season, except for when Dak Prescott came in. I'm stating a fact. Has his have has have his numbers gone down? Yes. Have they gone down more recently? Yes. But with Tony Romo, he was getting 700 yards or better a season, which is phenomenal for a tight end. You expect a tight end to get 500, 600. He's gotten over a thousand multiple times. So for Jason Witten, you know, I said that, and you know, running fantasy football and the Wake Up Call Fantasy Challenge and. You can check out information throughout the year on wakeupcalldt.com. Go to the tab at the top of the page, Fantasy Football, and check it out. I mean, this, it is, it's so hard. It's so hard to 
move forward when there's a quarterback change and you're one of their receivers or tight ends. It is. And I didn't think Jason Witten was going to be the same, hence why I don't suggest that you draft him recently in fantasy because look at what's happened. Look at where he's at. And it's sad to see him go, but it's amazing to see what he's done up to this point. It's amazing to see how he's moved forward and what he's what he's done in his career. And I think that ultimately Tony Romo and him had a phenomenal bond and that bond doesn't necessarily carry over when you get a new quarterback. It just doesn't. And it's been an up and down year for Dak Prescott, which obviously was affected by Ezekiel Elliott being selfish. So here we are. This is where we stand in this moment. And and that is that's that you know, that's that's I don't I don't knock him at all for deciding that he wants to leave. I don't knock him at all for that. At all. It's just sad to see him go. It's sad to see him go because he is one of the greatest that ever played the game. And that is hands down. There's no question that he is one of the greatest to ever play the game. No question in my mind at all. So with Jason Winton moving forward, I mean, Tony Romo's up in the booth. Now he's going to be up in the booth. And and it, it is. It's a sad day for football. But Jason Witten isn't what – and it, he isn't the weapon. And now there's no Des Bryant and things are changing. And, you know, I don't – you know, the thing is this would have been his 16th season. So everybody looks at it and goes, well, his numbers are going down and he is, he's heading to his 16th season, so it makes perfect sense. You know what else makes perfect sense? Dak Prescott didn't do that great last year. You know what else makes perfect sense? They got rid of Des Bryant. You know what else makes perfect sense? You don't want to deal with Ezekiel Elliott. You know what else makes sense? He dealt with Jerry Jones for a really, really long time, and he probably respected Jerry Jones, and Jerry probably respected him, or he wouldn't have been on the team. But Jerry Jones seems to, from the outside looking in, be a handful. So You can say his numbers dwindled, and that's why. You can say he's tired, and that's why. I can also point to the fact that it makes sense for him to go right now. Because the makeup of the team, I don't know where the hell they're heading right now. And speaking of the Cowboys, they they used their first-round pick on Leighton Vander Esch, inside linebacker, helped this team out. Sean Lee's been a great inside linebacker for the team, but every time he gets hurt, the team falters. Everybody wants to point to an offensive player going down or or having a subpar performance, but look at when Sean Lee has had concussions and whatnot and he's been out of games. It's drastically affected the team's win-loss record. It affects how they are on the field. It really does. So they get Connor Williams in the second round to help out their offensive line that's already good. They got Mike Gallup. Love that. Gallup, Cowboys, love it. Colorado State wide receiver in the third round. Dorrance Armstrong Jr. out of Kansas defense end. They got Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz to potentially be the heir apparent. And now there is no Jason Winton, so it's got to be somebody out of Stanford in the fourth round at tight end. Could be a steal if he does the right things. They picked up Mike White out of Western Kentucky, fifth round quarterback. 
interesting decision by the Cowboys who don't typically look to back up their quarterback. Chris Covington, Indiana outside linebacker. Cedric Wilson, wide receiver out of Boise State. And they get Bo Scarborough, whose numbers just really weren't that phenomenal. And he didn't drastically impress me when I saw him play against Florida State in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game down in Atlanta this past season. He goes in the seventh round, though. That is surprising. There's guys that went in the seventh round, and I mentioned some of them yesterday, that I'm just sitting here like, Trey Quinn, really, out of SMU? Bo Scarborough out of Alabama? Like, really, seventh round? Like, there might be some great skill players that could make a fantasy impact and an impact, more importantly, on their team in the years to come, if not this season, like a Bo Scarborough. So, and I would love to have Bo on my team when Ezekiel Elliott screwed up last year and basically held my team captive for an entire season. So, I like some of these moves by the Cowboys. I like the depth that they're building. I'm going to be circling the tight end position in Dalton Schultz. So... That's going to be exciting for me to see kind of where they go. And if Bo Scarborough gets to be involved in the offense, that would be a lot of fun to see. And Mike Gallup, you know, this is a guy whose rookie card might not be worth a lot to some people, and you might want to hold on to that rookie card like I am right now. So just saying. Denver Broncos, they take Bradley Chubb. Love this deal. Love like Bradley. I'm a fan of Bradley Chubb. Okay, covered him in the ACC, covered him his career with NC State. Spoke with Coach Dave Doran about him, interviewed him myself, and I'll never forget one of the biggest posts I've ever put up had to do with Bradley Chubb. When I interviewed him last year at ACC Media Days in North Carolina, he looked at me and I said, why did you come back? Why didn't you just go to the draft? And he said, I prayed about it. I ask God to guide me, and I can't doubt God. I can't doubt God. I can't doubt God. Those words never left me. I can't doubt God. People who have no faith can laugh that off. People who have a faith are moved. People who are in between are moved. Bradley Chubb should have been a Cleveland Brown. Denver Broncos lucked out. And then in the second round, they got Cortland Sutton out of SMU. Great hands. I really hope Case Keenum's a real deal because a few years back when he was in Houston and a third stringer and he had to play because Houston had injuries and two-headed quarterbacks and couldn't figure themselves out and went from coach to coach and things just didn't (coughs) ever seem to pan out. But Case Keenum did some good things when he was there. And then he dropped off when he went to the Rams, but everybody did when Jeff Fisher was the quarter was the head coach there. And I mean Todd Gurley, my lord, he didn't look anything like himself. And then Todd Gurley's gone, Sean McVay takes over, and the guy looks like a friggin' franchise running back again. And then Case Keenum goes to Minnesota and he's a lick away from going to the Super Bowl. Makes an awesome pass. Just Stephon Diggs, who takes care of business on the other end. Gets themselves to that game. They lose to Philadelphia, who wins the Super Bowl. If you're going to lose to anybody, lose to the team that's going to win it all. And now Case Keenum's the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. He's got Bradley Chubb, 
helping him out on defense. He doesn't have to face Bradley Chubb because Denver drafted him, so that's a good thing too. And you get Cortland Sutton as a weapon out of SMU, who is an awesome steal. And I loved covering him in the American Athletic Conference. And it's it's awesome for me. I keep saying, I cover this guy, I cover that guy, I interview that guy, I interview this guy. Covering the American and the ACC, there's some damn good athletes there. Hence why I get to brag about their successes and like, oh, I got to talk to that guy. Good for Cortland Sutton. That's a steal right there. That's a steal. They pick up a tight end, Troy Fumagalli out of Wisconsin in the fifth round. I like it because they needed some help at tight end. They got another running back in the seventh round, David Williams. See what he can be. Maybe practice squad. Maybe he can jump. But they got Royce Freeman out of Oregon in the third round. Top of the third round, Denver did. Running back. And let me tell you something. That running back opportunity with Denver, that's up for grabs right now. If I'm a Denver running back, I'm understanding the fact that whether they drafted me within the last two years or not, there's no guarantees on anything, okay? And C.J. Anderson, he had flashes that made me take a step back and go, did I count this guy out too early? But nine times out of ten, he's not there. Nine times out of ten, he's not getting it done. Devontae Booker right now is the starter. Yeah, okay. See how long that lasts before Royce Freeman takes over. D'Angelo Henderson's there. Drafted in the sixth round out of Coastal Carolina. David Williams in the seventh round this year that I just mentioned. Royce Freeman could very well be the starting running back. Case Keenum the starting quarterback. Then you got Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If Case Keenum can get this done and they can protect him to get this done, you're looking at one of the best three deep wide receiver fantasy cores in the country. Case Keenum does his job and they protect him and they can run the damn ball like they used to a little bit here. Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, any one of those three guys are going to be getting you points in fantasy football and grabbing you touchdowns. That's a good look right there. I like it. I like it a lot. (laughs) The Detroit Lions, Frank Ragnow, they take him center in the first round. I like it. I thought they were going to waste it on a running back. They didn't do that. They did in the second round get Carrion Johnson out of Auburn. This was a good move. So you got your center, then you got your running back. I like it. I like it. I like it. Now, the the other moves that they made were, you know, boring to some people, but Detroit needs help on defense. They got Tracy Walker out of Louisiana, safety. They got Deshaun Hand out of Alabama, defensive end. And then Tyrell Crosby, Oregon, offensive tackle to help him out. So you get help to your offensive line at center and, and offensive tackle, and you bring a running back in with Carrion Johnson because we all know that Detroit doesn't have anybody in their rushing attack that's worth a lick of. I mean, they're not going to be a dominant guy. I shouldn't say not worth anything. Everybody's worth something, but in fantasy value, not worth that much. Theo Riddick does some good things. He plays injured, and ultimately it takes a toll on him. But Amir Abdullah, yeah, okay. LeGarrett Blunt, love it, but LeGarrett Blunt needs help. LeGarrett Blunt needs somebody else to be in the backfield with him to help him to move the ball forward. And then as far as the Green Bay Packers, we're looking at Jair Alexander, who they drafted in the first round, 18th overall. I love this pick. 
Jair's another guy I got to cover in the ACC. Also a guy I got to interview recently here. And Jair Alexander, I think, is a great pick. I thought he would go top 20, and he didn't disappoint and made sure that, you know, he did go in the top 20 with all the work that he's done. And right after they drafted Jair Alexander, Green Bay in the second round, at the top of the second round, went and got Josh Jackson out of Iowa. So they spend their top two picks on two corners, which I think is a great deal because you look at what they have. They have Aaron Rodgers. They got young running backs right now on the Green Bay Packers, you know, on this team. And if we go to Green Bay, which I want to take a little look at the Green Bay Packers right now and and what they have going down. But obviously, like I said, Aaron Rodgers under center. They brought in Deshaun Kaiser to back him up. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, two rookies last year. Fourth round draft pick Jamal, fifth round Aaron Jones did some good things. Dare I say it, could be a nice tandem. Ty Montgomery's up and down. They got to figure out where he fits. Is he an H-back? Is he a receiver? Is he a, a running back? What does he count for? They got to figure out what that's going to be. Because I think he's a weapon if he stays healthy. But I think you got to concentrate on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams at the running back position. Devontae Adams is now your number one. Nothing to sh- scoff about there. Geronimo Allison stepped up last year. Randall Cobb is getting older, but still can give you something. And so the receiving core, I'm like, eh. I'm like, you know, back and forth with that. I like, I like the fact, I mean, Cobb, if he's healthy, can be dangerous. Devontae, I know, can get make it happen. When he was the number two guy, he had fantasy number one numbers. You know, fantasy wide receiver one as a wide receiver two in reality. Geronimo Allison can be something to this team, like I said. So I like what they have here. They have Equinemius St. Brown, who they drafted in the sixth round this year out of Notre Dame. I'm interested to seeing what he can do. They definitely have depth that they have at the wide receiver. By by the depth chart, they have numerous players. But to go through camp and offseason workouts and all that good stuff to see how many of these guys are viable. But I do like Devontae, Randall Cobb, could have been a number one, kind of a number two or a three. I want to see him step up. Geronimo Allison, like I said, can be something. But on the other side of it, you know, they've needed help. And they have Traymon Williams, but now they have, you know, they they have Josh Jones as at strong safety and haha Clinton Dix at free safety. You bring in Jair Alexander and you kind of do what the Jaguars are doing. You bring in that young talent and, you know, they have A.J. Boye who had been in the league for a little bit but then they brought in Jalen Ramsey. Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson arguably can automatically help this team out. So this could be a nice Green Bay secondary. And that, I mean, they could kind of, like I said, be a little bit be similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars and be a dangerous team that you don't want to play. So I like it. I love the move. I, I think it could help them right away. And I think it could definitely help them be dangerous and, and not put everything on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers like normal. And then as far as the Houston Texans, before we take a step aside, they get Justin Reed, the safety out of Stanford, in the third round. The Houston Texans did not have a first round or a second round pick. They had a third round pick. They had three third round picks. So... They did some moves, some, you know, they were movers and shakers. I love that they took Jordan Aikens 
and out of UCF, Jordan Atkins, pardon me, out of UCF, another guy that I had covered and interviewed while he was at the University of Central Florida. Tight end, third round, Jordan Atkins. I like this move. I think he could be a nice little fantasy sleeper and could definitely help them out in reality. Duke edgy of four out of Wake Forest defensive end in the sixth round. I'm, I'm going to be circling that one, watching that move. Kiki Kuti, a Texas Tech wide receiver. I want to see what he can do here in the fourth round because the wide receivers, you know, and they're getting older and it's changing and it's it's not Andre Johnson anymore. It hasn't been Andre Johnson for a while. It's DeAndre Hopkins and whoever steps up. So I'm interested to see what Houston's going to do from here. We'll take a step aside. We'll come back with Through the Looking Glass in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. 
Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You all are amazing, wonderful, gorgeous, and I appreciate you being a part of the show. Rounding out today's show like we always do. Speaking of being gorgeous, you got to look through the looking glass every once in a while and appreciate what you see on the other side of it, right? Got to be good to yourself. I'm not talking about being vain. I'm talking about loving you up, loving you for the person that you are, being good to yourself. And with that being said, we're going to take a look through the looking glass here on today's broadcast, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora here on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop Sports Shop, and on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. Through the Looking Glass, proudly brought to you by Looking Glass Events. You can get in touch with them by calling 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. And start planning your event today. There's people all over Central and Upstate New York that are planning events. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do for a graduation party, a wedding, bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. You got an anniversary coming up. You got a you got a big time birthday party for somebody that you want to get rolling on and get that set up. Whatever it may be, you are you're doing a sporting event. You're getting a festival together, like I'm doing with the CNY Pop Festival. 315-702-4653. Call Kara Wasserbeck and let her help you plan your event today. You can't do it all by yourself. It's okay to call for help. Get your back up at 315-702-4653. Kara Wasserbeck, great person to have backing you up when it comes to your events. So a deeper look through the looking glass, a deeper look at a trending topic. There's a couple things that are going on this morning. One of them is what just happened. Like I told you, when we take a deeper look at a trending topic, we always do things in the moment. It's not anything that isn't... You know, I mean, we ad-lib as we go. That's what we do. So ad-libbing this because I want it to be real and I want it to actually be trending for the most part, unless there's something that's really deep on my mind or been going on for a while. Mark Richt, the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes for the last two years, heading into his third year, just had his contract extended through 2023. Now that's good for Mark Richt, as we all know. Contracts don't mean anything in collegiate athletics for coaches because <laughs> people sign extensions all the time and then they leave the team. But the positive, so that's the the negative side of it is anybody, you know, really honestly can leave at any time, even when it looks like they can't when it comes to coaches in college sports. But on the other side of it, there is the fact that the good side for Mark Richt is he has some job security. Mark Richt getting some help and some job security from the Miami 
Hurricanes. So what do you think of head coach Mark Richt getting an extension through 2023 from the Miami Hurricanes? I want you to answer that on Twitter right now. I love putting polls up on Twitter. A lot of fun for me. So I'm putting those. I'm putting the polls up in this moment as we speak. Putting the polls up and tagging the tagging Miami Hurricanes fans and college football fans alike. What do you think of head coach Mark Richt getting an extension through 2023 from the Miami Hurricanes? Your choices are love it, like it, dislike it, or strongly dislike it. I don't have hate it. Strongly dislike takes the place of that because hating is too strong of a word. So. Make sure that you vote in the poll right now. If you're following me on Twitter, you'll always see him. I'm on Twitter at CallDT. Very simple. Call D, it's like Call Dan Satora. At CallDT. C-A-L-L-D-T. So vote in the poll right now. What do you think of head coach Mark Rick getting an extension through 2023 from the Miami Hurricanes? Do you love it, like it, dislike it, or strongly dislike it? Taking a deeper look at a trending topic. A deeper look at another trending topic. There's a topic that's trending right now that says, hashtag offend me in three words. What moron would want to be offended? Why would that even be trending? Offend me in three words. It's ridiculous. Somebody wrote, pay your taxes. That was funny. No offense, but that's that's funny too because whenever somebody says that, they're about to offend you. Offend me in three words. Somebody put pineapple on pizza. Pineapple on pizza is pretty good. Somebody put, are you stupid? Offend me in three words. No pets allowed. That does offend me. You gain in weight? People don't like that. I will agree with this one. Slavery is a choice. Offend me in three words. Because allegedly Kanye believes that slavery was chosen by people. Flint water crisis. Offend me in three words. I like that. I hate Star Wars. Don't like dogs. There's some good ones here. See, because I said, I was like, why would somebody want to be offended? But people are taking this to the streets for some positive things. Somebody put bless your heart offends them. Stupid. What else we have here? Can you read? That's offensive. (laughs) What else do we have? I want to pick a couple more here. Followed, then unfollowed. Somebody doesn't like that on Twitter. What else do we have here? Somebody else had no offense, but... I hate tacos. That's offensive. It's offense. That's that's definitely offensive right there. Somebody put pizza without pineapples is offensive, so they flipped the script. I like that. So offend me in three words, a deeper look at a trending topic. That's one of the topics that is trending right now. Another one that is trending is the National Day of Prayer. So I like this. 
I don't like what some people said, but National Day of Prayer, you know, it's, it's the hashtag National Day of Prayer and people, I love people that attack people for going, you're, you're praying, you're praying. Why are you praying? And do-? Now, if you pray for someone and you don't do anything about, I mean, certain things you can't do, you know, not all of us can fly to Puerto Rico and help people in Puerto Rico. So we pray. But if I say to my wife, if my wife's like, hey, I'm looking for a new job and I'm like, well, I'll pray for you. I literally can help my wife. I can help her right here in the here and now. Not everybody could get on a plane with millions of dollars to go to Puerto Rico. So we pray, but pray, prayer followed by action is success. Asking God for help and then meeting him halfway. You have to act and pray. You say, God, can you please meet me halfway? And God says, yes, not yet, or there's a better road that I want you to meet me halfway on. But then you have to do your part. We can't all go to Puerto Rico, but we can send our loves. We send our love. We can, you know, me, I can interview somebody from there. I can interview somebody who's been there. I can reach out to this. I can reach out to that. There's different things that we can do to try and help if we can't get there. There's different ways to help. And we got to do it. Prayer is not a bad thing. And anybody that tries to say that it is, is disgusting. If I told somebody, God bless you, and they said that offends me, there's something wrong with that. It offends me that you want me to be blessed. It offends me that you want me to have a good life. It offends me that you want me to be successful. Yeah, okay. If that offends you, then it must be opposite day because you shouldn't be offended by good things. You should be offended by bad things. And you usually find that people that are offended by good things are very strange when it comes to other things. They just are. Not everybody has to believe in God. I would never want to see my life without it. I would never want to see my life without God. And I'm going to be frank with you about that. I don't I don't think that it's a life that I'd ever want to live. I know it's not. But I'm never going to tell anybody what to do. I will say that if someone says, God bless you, or if you're not Jewish and they say, Happy Hanukkah, don't be offended. It's not offensive. Offensive is go after yourself. Offensive is you're fat. Offensive is your mom's stupid. Offensive is, you know, that's offensive. Offensive is what I've been told before. It's not racism if you don't hear it. That's, that's offensive. But God bless you, or I'm praying for you, or I hope the best for you. If you're offended by that, unless it's sarcastically said, why would you be offended? Live your life to the fullest at all times. And be good to each other. The National Day of Prayer, every day to me is the National Day of Prayer, okay? I don't think you should pray on one day. I think if we all come together today and show how we're how all of us are praying, it can move the world to pray every day. But I don't think that one day is a day for prayer. It's every day. It's every moment. And... I'm never not talking to God. I also don't think that Valentine's Day is the only day that you should be good to your significant other. 
I also don't think that on birthdays or when you should like do nice things for the people that you're with. Just on birthdays. Oh, it's your birthday, so I won't fight with you today. We got to be better, right? We have to be better. So National Day of Prayer is trending, and if anybody's offended by prayer, I'm offended by you. Because why would you be offended by somebody hoping the best for someone else and themselves? Offend me in three words I thought was interesting because I was like, again, why would someone want to be offended? And then I start reading some of these posts and people made them funny and they made them interesting and they made them different. And they they actually, you know, call people to action on some things that are going on in our society that are wrong. So the offend me in three words hashtag that's trending right now. Kind of a deeper look at a trending topic shows that you can't judge a book by its cover, Dan, or anybody. I like what DiGiorno said. We ordered pizza. That offended them. I love I love that like companies get involved when that's when this stuff happens and whatnot. I want to pick a couple more here. Let's see what else we have here. Let's see what we have. Lincoln Park sucks. That offends someone in three words. It offends me too. No more bacon. That's offensive. What else we have here? I want to pick another. I want to try try and find a funny one here. For some reason, people either have pineapple pizza or no pineapple pizza. Roger Goodell for president. Somebody, somebody put Goodell for president would offend them in, <laughs> in three words. I agree with that. What else do we have here? Star Wars sucks. I've seen that one multiple times here. I want to pick one more. Offend me in three words. Candy corn's delicious. Somebody thinks candy corn is not good. I don't like that. Candy corn is delicious. They use Jonah Hill for it, but I, I like the I like the Jonah Hill GIF. That was good stuff. Big GIF, GIF, whatever. That offends me. You don't know how to say GIF, GIF, whatever. It's what Jiffy peanut butter. I don't know what to tell you folks. But a deeper look at a trending topic, offend me in three words, as well as National Day of Prayer, as well as Mark Richt getting extended through 2023. And let's see our polls as we've started our polls here for the voting. Love it is the only answer that we've gotten so far. Everybody that's voted has voted that they love that Mark Richt got extended by the Miami Hurricanes as their head coach for the football team. With that being said, we will. We extended throughout today to do the show for an extra 10 minutes and counting, and we will be with you tomorrow. So Friday, May 4th, May the 4th be with you. Ginormous sale going on on CNYPopFestival.com. Buy your tickets now. You can get a discounted children. Or, okay, put it to you like this. If you buy the May the 4th be with you special, you get a awesome, awesome, awesome rate for yourself and a free child's ticket 
Bye right now. God bless you all. I'll talk with you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. The Annoying Moment of the Week. Significant sound bites with Harold Landry from Boston College, drafted in the second round to the NFL. And you'll also hear from an amazing video and audio second time around with the man that they call John Newman of Newman Sports Cards. I'll talk with you soon. God bless.